0: namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa udang dhammang sanghang namasami We now in our third day meditation. This uh, time when we're stopping the movement forward, movement away, coming into presence, presence, and uh, probably experiencing uh, a lot of the obstacles, difficulties that have ar- arisen. In our lives things I haven't really haven't really come to terms with um, you know, not just the physical discomforts but probably more much more telling the the psychological habits of um, uh, a lot of uh, judgments and self blame and things of inadequacy that people experience uneven energies for just plain fatigue worn out. Um, Stressed out, uh, overwhelmed, pooped, <laughs> generally damaged in some way or another. Since <laughs> we quite a lot of it about in uh, human life. And it's um, amazing, really, when one you you consider well, what is it that keeps us, gets us into this? What is it that keeps us going (laughs) through this? There's some sort of uh, doggedness or perseverance or faith or or determination there to say, Well, you know, I was reflecting on this and I was wondering why I meditate, you know, because it certainly. Not been uh, blissful, peaceful, joyful, um, you know, inspirational crescendos day after day. A lot of it's been uh, painful, awkward, embarrassing, frustrating, confusing, dispiriting, overwhelming, boring, tedious. Uh. <laughs> Coming to terms with a feeling of failure and inadequacy. And so on. Um, <laughs> but now I notice, actually, now I'm not, I'm not intimidated by any of these. <laughs> <laughs> these are psychological uh, tomatoes, tomatoes, as you say, that keep getting thrown at me. <laughs> through my yeah, through the programming of what I should be, what I ought to be by now, and what I should have done, and what is supposed to be happening, and you know what it says in the book, and you, know, you, know, you never kind of thing heard it so often. Yeah. first of 1st thought—it's very, very uh, convincing and intimidating shriek of uh, of the that one isn't what one's spo- What something says you're supposed to be. And uh, so I've I've kind of felt my way into that and decided really what I want to be more than blissful, more than all-knowing, more than glorious. (laughs) I'd like just to be real. (laughs) Whatever that is, you know. Find out what it is to be real. And uh, which means that, you know, what happens, what what comes up, what happens in terms of old age, sickness, death, uh, getting it wrong, getting it right, and so on, that instead of just spinning out into reactions and fault finding and, you know, fear and mistrust, they just be able to think, well, it's like that. (laughs) That's like that. You know, and that's that's the end of that particular cycle and it doesn't go any has never to go any further than that because mm. when you can consider it even uh you know, I've personally lived a life where I've you know, hardly really suffered that much in many ways. You know, kind of no major diseases, uh, no major acts of violence right, actually towards me, you know. And yet still suffer miserably. <laughs> <laughs> So and says, well, you know, what is this about? What is all this? This first noble truth, the dukkha, Buddhist, uh entry into the Dhamma, is through this recognizing, well, there's old age, sickness, death, and so on. But actually, that's that's a relatively easy bit of it. That's the straightforward. That's the clean bit. Yeah. You know. The uh, the real suffering is the is the sense of self, you know, which is constellates around this form, feeling, impressions and perceptions, um, energies, habits and energies, karma habits, uh, Sankaras, patterning, and uh, consciousness. And the real um, one that we can do something about most, most, dra- most dramatically is the one called sankhara, which is the patterning. Everyone has to experience feeling, painful feeling, pleasant feeling, neutral feeling. And if you know the story on that, pleasant feeling is not enough. When you have a pleasant feeling, it's, it's nice, but you can't ever say you've had too much pleasant feeling. Painful feeling, you can you can never say you've had too little painful feeling. <laughs> and so the painful feeling is what you don't want to have any more of. You know? So there's always this sense of um, not getting enough of the good, getting too much of the bad. The neutral is, is, is glossed over. Mm. So we'll experience these. Uh, the feeling, um, which is a thing that so often we find ourselves... Uh, just reacting to, yeah. and the reactions then become felt. Yeah. The 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 uh, whirling, the, the wobbling, the, uh, the the shift, the shaking, the reacting, the constricting to try and defend oneself against feeling. The the uh, sense of of uh, despondency that comes when one isn't getting enough of the pleasant stuff. Yeah, so you get ordinary sensory feeling then you get the mind's feeling which is its response to the other kinds of feeling you know, so you get this sense of not getting enough of the good, getting too much of the bad that makes me feel that creates the mental feeling of dolmanasa or sadness, depression you know, so you know, any time one can actually check in to some dolmanasa because most any time if you really look at it the pleasant feeling was, oh, that was kind of nice. Why did it have to change? <laughs> or it's prepare yourself because it might something might go wrong. Uh, prepare yourself, or something frustrated happening, something you didn't get. You know. So there's a lot of this this dolmanasa because of the way the mind is, and uh, the mind's unreadiness to accommodate. Uh, painful feeling you know, without you know, because it's supposed to be good isn't it? Life is supposed to be good and fulfilling and happy and wonderful and successful and bright and you know buy some soap powder, and new soap powder and you feel happy you know, you get a tube of toothpaste you feel happy, buy a new car makes you happy and so life is just one continual rolling on flow of happiness this is... <laughs> of <laughs> stop. <stuff. laughs> Otherwise there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and it's uh, amazing how the uh, authenticity uh, gets taken away by the, the, the kind of media stuff you get dealt with um, Where we are is the best. Good. We're the good people. We're in the best place, and nobody's unfair here, you know. So, this, so the so we we kind of sacrifice or get asked to give up being authentic and real about the way life is. Saying, well, actually, it's not really that a lot of fun. You know, some of it's pretty sticky and messy and painful. Um, can't say that. So, oh, you're being morbid. You're being sick. You're being weird, depressed. Pick yourself up. Go to a movie. You know. <laughs> but actually, life is a mixture, isn't it? And um, but there's the possibility if we you know, grow to handle feeling. then it's all right. You know, because of the strength and the, and the breadth and the compassion and the discernment and the equanimity and the those those are the more skillful responses to, to incarnation than trying to find happiness in it. And those responses do make you feel uh, happy or easeful or, peaceful hmm. so it is possible it isn't possible through the you know the, the direct feeling itself but through through the ability to respond to to feeling rather than react and blame and constrict and tighten up and beat yourself up and feel fed up failure you know it's um, which is all the kind of psychology that gets placed upon the, the uh, on, on the initial experiences we had. Now, this uh, psychology is by what patterning is about. There are sankara. Sankara is to do with karma formations, which means certain dispositions get laid down, become karmic. In other words, they become the pathways of action and are the pathways of action and there are three there's bodily action there's verbal action, speech, thought and there's action of the heart and the most um, powerful one is the action of the heart mm. which means the sense of so the action of the heart is the um, despair um, anger uh, these things, these are powerful karmas and one of the um, some karma patterning that seems to be present for us is, is that to actually just abandon the heart altogether. Something that just shuts off. And so our response to ourselves can be one of thinking about ourselves, um, analyzing ourselves. Uh, analyzing our actions, thinking our actions, measuring our actions against ideas of what they should be. Uh, and so it's, it's very much um, coming from this uh, conceptual models, idealistic models, rather than a, a heartful response. We are definitely capable of heartful responses. Um, everyone I know is capable of heartful responses. But strange enough the most difficult area that we have heartful response to is towards ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something, one pattern that seems to be in place for many people now is to abandon heart when they reflect upon themselves, when they experience what's happening to them. There's an abandonment of heart. Perhaps because some of it is extremely um you know, challenging for the self-image so we can't bear to feel that and because we've so got used to um, the ideas of success and, and um, even spirituality and purity and goodness and so forth that the, the initial sense is to keep measuring ourselves against the ideas. Mm. And it's instinctive. I don't think we deliberately do that. It becomes an instinctive pattern. This is karma. This is powerful karma. Because in that one generates, keeps generating and lays down a particular habit and it becomes entrenched. We we talk to ourselves we think about ourselves rather than actually feel for Mm. so that the this kind of habit to judge and to measure and to analyze and to to compare uh, O can override all the others, so we lose an actual, uh, direct, authentic response, and we go into a, a kind of a a, a measurement: mm. how long you can sit for. Mm. You know, sit longer, you're better at it. Mm. So, you've got to sit longer, and it kills you or not. <laughs> that's better you know, actually. <laughs> so, you know these things become um, right there. nobody actually says that. his eyes never said that. Uh, so that somehow that, that kind of idea gets, gets imprinted. Mm. We can think of um, spirituality we think of well peace and love and so forth. Um, but in Buddhism, What I always found encouraging about it was the the hallmark is suffering. (laughs) I've always been able to accomplish that. (laughs) And the idea is just to to not necessarily be a great person or even that, you know, wonderful or intelligent, but just to be able to uh, get, handle, or accommodate, stop reacting the suffering. Yeah. The reactions are abandonment of heart is one reaction. Just get out of here and just think about it and where I could be and where I should be. Uh, freezing up, just kind of you know going rigid, uh, spacing out. These are some of these reactions that occur. And uh, it's a place you can actually function from. Those places, it's not one goes dysfunctional. Um, so, you know, one reacts, and then actually all this functioning in the brain can go on, deciding, figuring out what you are, what you should be, where you're going to go, what's going to happen next, the future, the past, astrological predicament, uh, all the reasons why it isn't and shouldn't and could be, and you know you can keep going. It's got this this kind of uh, uh, disembodied litany, chattering away. Um, Uh, And and does it actually take me anywhere good or useful? Because it uh, seems to just somehow come from an inability to accommodate experience. And because it comes from it, it never seems to actually be able to accommodate it. It always considers it, thinks it. And what is... In, presented is the possibility of embodying the, the, suffer, the suffering, stress. Mm. Now by embodiment, embodied mind, I don't mean the physical form. I mean the, the sense, the embodied sense, which is more energetic, rhythmic. It's the sense that experiences things in terms of movement, uh, in terms of uh, movement or stillness, in terms of pressure or absence of pressure, in terms of heat or coolness. Mm. These, quali- these are elemental the qualities. And so we begin to learn a language. And for uh, most of us recognize after a while of going through our reactions you begin to sense it. Hey, this is the same thing going on again. It's that same spinning, reacting, out of control stuff going on again. And something starts to wake up. And then the process of investigation or vijaya, which is encouraged is to transfer that or translate that into, the, into an embodied experience. So what does this feel like? What does it feel like in your hands or your head or your face or your throat? What does it feel like? What does it feel like in your chest? Whatever it's saying, what does it feel like? So mm-hmm. your, oh, um, so does it feel Pressure or absence of pressure, or well, it feels like pressure. Does it feel like uh, tight or loose? Feels like tight. Does it feel you know, hot or cold? it Feels like fire. Mm-hmm. So we're not actually really doing anything about it apart from from experiencing it in a different way, and that itself takes you out of the language, which is reactive, because fire is just fire. It's not good or bad or should or shouldn't. It's just fire. Um, Mm -hmm. Pressure is just pressure. You can have pressure that you enjoy and pressure that you don't enjoy, but pressure itself is just pressure. Um, And when we experience it like that, the body can sense that experience and then feel this, this pressure is not necessary abnormal, not balanced, why don't I just relax why don't I just breathe out why don't I just open up and that in in synopsis is a way in which you can come out of the patterning you go to the bodily formation, you go from the Chitta Sankara, which is the heart formation of, of uh, volition and impulse and panic and uh, fear, and the verbal formation, which is the, the thinking mind, and you come to the bodily formation, the Kaya Sankara. Feel it there. And that's the place where you can, body knows, oh, what am I carrying that weight on my back for? Why don't I just, oh, yeah. And energy shifts, and when the energy shifts, it's like the other stuff doesn't have the same propellant. I mean, it's very really difficult to get depressed when your body feels bright. You know, it's difficult to get angry without tight. If your body feels loose, you know, to get angry, you've got to tighten up.
1: That's
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> But if your if your body was relaxed, it's you, difficult to really get much anger going. And go, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> 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 and then you realise, well, yeah, but there are many shames in the world, and this is only one of them. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, and we can all do this. Yeah. I was noticing when we we came over from Britain, and Nanda Bodhi and myself, we got to um, the plane was due to leave Heathrow at eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> which meant according to the theory that we're supposed to get there at five thirty in the morning, which meant getting up at two thirty in the morning, you know, to get so we get the car at three thirty. Leave and uh, get there by five thirty, and you know so forth. So we got there, duty at five thirty. Nothing was even open, you know. <laughs> so we're staying there in our the boxes and bags. You know, the airport was open, but there was this, just this kind of counter with nobody there. Okay, you yeah. know, that's the it's like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, essentially you're just standing somewhere. There's no problem with standing. it's just standing. you either got to stand, sit, or lie down. So standing, that's fair enough. <laughs> you know, when you consider it as a bodily experience, it's just, you know, nobody's hitting me. <laughs> so it's okay. It's only when you entertain the perception. You said, oh, so it's here, 5.30, you know, nobody here, how dare they? You know, <laughs> you, you can get wound up. So we were standing there waiting and then this sort of queue queue formed and so we moved over and somebody started snapping about, get to the back of the queue. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, get to the back of the queue, that's fine. Standing somewhere else is just standing. And then eventually we made our way through this kind of it's incredible runaround you go to these airports, you can't go straight to the desk, you look on this kind of little you know, zigzag. like snakes and ladders you know you go around this sort of little circuit before you can get to this person who's sitting there leaning on their hand and we get to the desk it's now yeah you know, i suppose it's now 8ish isn't it i think it was about 6:30 or 7:30 and uh, so we get there and we put about how many the woman looks he says um um the plane that you're about to has been cancelled and uh, you'll, be, you'll be given a free lunch voucher and, and your next plane will be 11.50 which is like three, hour, three and a half hours later. She comes out with this stuff this whole litany of stuff you know. so yeah. I, think, uh, I actually feel I'm looking at her and she's coming out with this stuff I get this feeling and I say and she stops and I, look and I say are you waiting for us to get angry? <laughs> <laughs> So I could sense the way she was coming out with it. She was building up her barricades, you know, of, <laughs> of uh, you know, being efficient and effective, and this is all under control, sir. And, 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 and she looked at me and she kind of, you could see her just breathe out. She wasn't going to get beaten, you know, nobody's going to unload a whole load of rage on her. And she said, Oh, you can see the relief. Uh, he's just standing somewhere else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we had quite a nice conversation. Once you, you know, it was as soon as we dropped to to the real human level, then there's a, you know, feeling, natural feeling of. I felt sorry for her actually because there's a whole lot of people behind <laughs> me. <laughs> 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 Who probably weren't going to be, uh, have an embodied perspective on it all. <laughs> and this poor lady was, you know, having to face this lot. And I just thought, oh dear, you poor thing. They set you up, haven't they? You know. So we were trying to give her a bit of comfort. <laughs> and, uh, and then we moved off. It was just, you know, standing somewhere else, sitting somewhere else. Time goes by. And then we landed in... Uh, Washington, so we were, I think we are. So it's three and a half hours delay, got to Washington. They'd... Uh, it, the people, they employ people to kick your bags around in airports.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they managed to successfully split open one of the boxes we had with the books and CDs in it. So CDs, it all disappeared somewhere or the other. And, okay, it's like that now. And then you re- realise that uh, the connecting plane to Boston... Is leaving in um, you know 40 minutes, and there's this huge queue of people who who are being you know inspected, and their shoes taken off, and their ears looked into. <laughs> <laughs> a possible you know uh, this uh, incredible uh, fear in, in uh, airports you now. So we had to repack all our bags, so we could because the box had split open, packing all the things in under Bo these bags, okay, just packing, packing and then standing, walking, clock, you know. And then Washington Airport is approximately 14 miles long. <laughs> 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 to get from when you go through the customs to, to our gate, you know it's amazingly long. we're sort of mindfully walking um, <laughs> Mindfully cantering. <laughs> And we just got to the gate like at uh, 20 past 4, you know, and then this tear standing and saying, oh, very good timing, you know, as we came, sort of sweat dripping off. So then we got in the air and so forth, landed in Boston, and uh, lo and behold, uh, bags didn't come through. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, and to phone another the baggage control, and he said, "Oh well, um, you know, <coughs> you know uh, would you like to wait for the next one?" So it was another two hours' wait, standing, standing, waiting, waiting. And actually, it was really all right. know. Yeah. really all right. That was a nice thing about it. It was kind of, it was. Uh, uh, It's almost like somebody saying, "Let's check you out," (laughs) (laughs) because all the time one is basically just, you know, you don't, one doesn't, you don't have to create perceptions. So some pretty easy perceptions to create, you know, and then you can actually go into this apoplexy of they shouldn't, how dare they, and this is supposed to be in United Airlines, and yeah, you could do that and burn out a bit of juice, you know, cremate a few brain cells. Observe some blood pressure, but whatever happens, that, those, that bag is not going to go through that hatch for another two hours, you know. <laughs> so, you know, or you can start blaming people, or maybe, you know, my karma or something like that. I just, well, standing here we are. Nobody's actually beating me up right now. And um, just something like that, you see, the, the on a very obvious level, the advantage of being able to just um, reside in, in the body. It wasn't I was particularly aware of my, you know, focusing on the sensations in my legs or my knees, just a sort of sense of, almost like dropping the centre down, you know, so you feel the presence of standing, space around, the rhythms of the body the pulses not terribly refined scrutiny just the basic you know standing on the deck you yeah. know feeling the thing moving around um, we also had a, a friend of friend of the monasteries she used to be she used to be a novice nun so she she left and she used to come to the monastery every Every Saturday night to hear her talk, she'd cycle from her house in the village and come to the monastery. So one night she's cycling and this car came along, drunk driver came along the car, knocked her off a bike and then drove off. So she was kind of splattered on the road. Unfortunately, some other people stopped and they picked her up and got her to the hospital. So her skull was was, uh, shattered like an eggshell. You know, one side of the head broken up so the person didn't know whether she'd live or not and then she seemed to come round they thought well she won't be able to see again or hear or move um, and she she kind of had some set, you know, because she'd done a lot of meditation she said that she could sense all this and sense the the pain and she'd just go into her body and uh, stay in that Presence in in the body behind the pain, or in the pain happening around, but you're actually sitting almost inside the pain instead of going out, you know, fighting it or trying to defend yourself against it. Just sitting inside it, and, uh, and then she made this uh, very remarkable recovery, and uh, hospital really quite amazed uh, because she just said it was she just couldn't go into her head anymore. It was just too too unpleasant to go in her head, so she just stayed in her body uh, and, and let, the, let the system just recover, energetically recover, because there's huge shock to the system. I thought that was an. and she did it quite instinctively. In fact, she said, This is the, the Buddha's final attempt to get me to meditate properly. <laughs> 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 you know, the drastic approach. <laughs> 'Cause there, you know, when you're in that situation it's like there's absolutely nothing you can't wriggle, you can't get away, you can't nothing you can do, you just gotta be there. And um not go into the despair, you know, oh hopeless, finished, you know, no good, never worry, hatred, anger, rage, you just you know, all that actually just does you more harm and use up what energy you've got. You just gotta go into presence. And so she found it. You know obviously, it's not the kind of experience you'd wish on anybody, but she certainly made good use of what we call this sabhava dukkha. Sabhava Dukkha is the dukkha that just comes through being incarnated. you know we all experience physical pain, um, you know accidents, um, you know mess ups, various kinds. It's called the Sabhava dukkha. This is something that you don't escape. it's important to know that to really have made peace with that. you don't escape this. <laughs> you will be blamed, you will be you know dumped on you. this is the things that happen. so what you can do is there's the what's called the, the Sankata dukkha, which is the dukkha that gets compounded by Sankara as the dukkha of uh, worrying fretting defending blaming reviling um, despairing you know and uh and all that which gets programmed in yeah. because we're not supposed to suffer you yeah. know there's this kind of mythology that it's supposed to be just wonderful and so on and uh somewhere, even though you don't consciously believe it. There's some sort of very kind of primary program- programming that's kind of placed in there that says that the true person, the real person who's really on the board does not suffer. They just uh, have a big grin on their face and walk down the road with a smile and a song in their heart. You know. LAUGHTER Uh, it's it's really infantile, isn't it? Yeah. You see the kind of modeling there is the movie modeling you yeah. know what it's supposed to look like. I mean nobody can you know like point one percent maybe could ever look like these people in movies yeah. They showed me a, a movie on the plane actually. And this movie was this uh, w- woman I mean this plane ride has been the most amazing experience of my <laughs> life. <laughs> I learned so much. And this, this, pro- this movie was about a, a woman who was a kind of martial arts expert and she was just amazing. This woman. <laughs> Because for start, whatever she did, she kicked people to pieces. <laughs> and she never even broke sweat. <laughs> and her hair, you know, stayed perfect. <laughs> she just knocked five guys to, into to ribbons and, uh, you know, throw herself all over the place. And her hair didn't even look messy, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. And her clothes, never, never a smart. on her clothes. Face, never a smart, Not a single scratch. Not even a burst of sweat. It's an incredible being. Is getting runs up and down trees, you know, chucking, th- chucking her body around, and uh, just totally, you know, sleek and elegant all the time. Wow, you know, I mean, I don't, there as good as that, and <laughs> you know, I don't do any of these things. They can always cope with everything. Mm. You never a good moment in this film where she ever went, uh, I don't know, or... <laughs> 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 or, or beats me, or...
1: <laughs>
0: and that's happening to me quite a lot of the time. But, you know, it, it, but it doesn't intimidate I me. Mean, I don't expect to know, or have every answer of everything. Or, because it's, it's this sabhava dukkha, this is limitations. It, uh, in some ways uh, you know, it gets more limited as you get older, physical resilience goes down, I get more forgetful, um, and so on, you know, forget the chanting. <laughs> I mean, you know thirty years I've been doing this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get it right.
1: <laughs>
0: so, you know, if you one is still holding on to the idea that, you know, there's so sort of this kind of impression of a of a personality that's got it all covered and uh no cracks and no weaknesses and so forth. It's and the meditation somehow you're going to add that, you know, polish it, polish it up. No, it it shows you, just the, you know, how good can how good does it ever get? You know, how good does anybody ever get, at anything? You know, the standards keep going up and the and the criteria go up and the tolerances go down. How good does everybody ever get? Is, it, is that what life's about? Is it just the competition? Success. Yeah. And to my mind, the success is to not create uh, the sankhata dukkha, the despair, the self-disparagement, the uh, blaming, the fear, the trying to prove yourself, the protect yourself against um, you know, other people's stuff. And become someone who can, uh, who can accommodate that. Because when it comes down to it, the only person who can really do me damage is me. Or, put it another way, my sankaras can do me a tremendous amount of damage. Nothing else wounds the heart except the, the sankharas. Nothing else wounds and ravages the heart except the sankharas. Mm. These uh, patterns, these psychological and emotional patterns. Mm. But that's not all we are. We don't have to just be that. We have to find a place where you can Contemplate that. See the unawareness that has generated that, and, and begin to allow new patterns to form. You don't even actually have to construct patterns. Yeah. That's that's the beauty. You don't have to kind of come up with a self-affirmation program.
1: Yeah.
0: Because the the beauty of the the, the system that we're in actually is when you come to uh, the truth of patterning and in terms of the the body the embodiment energy which is the fundamental one and you just stay in that then what occurs is is a connection as presence and what starts to occur is compassion uh, kindness, um, spaciousness, ease, presence. You know, you don't do it. It, it happens. Because this is natural. You know, our bodily intelligence continually is aimed, and intends to look after us. Your know, body is a, is a, you cut it and it starts to heal itself. You, doesn't, you don't have to say, come on, heal this is how you do it. You know, This is how you build a scab. This is Come on, get going. It just, as soon as you do it, it doesn't complain, it doesn't say, I'm not going to bother to heal you anymore, idiot. If you can't treat me right, I'm not going to bother to fix that bone. It just goes right in there and starts doing it. It's, it's, uh, it's that kind of system. You know, you, you um, you put food in it and it starts to immediately break it down and digest it. It doesn't say, hey, I don't want bananas again. <laughs> 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 it just goes right in and does it and makes the best it can out of it. You know, people can live on incredible amount of stuff and different sorts of stuff. Bodies just, you know, they do what they can and make the best of it. They, they can't always make it, they can't always uh, handle the rubbish that we deal with them, but they have a good try. <laughs> you know, the, the whole inclination of the body patterning is look after this thing, keep it going. Um, yeah. Find the safe place, find the place of nourishment. Mm. And it's as if when we come to Im- embodiment, we come to a, this sense, we suddenly. You know, you come to the place where you're, you're being, where you're being real, and uh, what comes up is a real response, rather than a program reaction, rather than the kind of in infiltrations of, uh, you know, fantasy programming, of uh, media programming, of socialized programming, of what you should be programming. What comes up is the response of, hey, this is what you, this is where you are. This is what you need. <coughs> Do this, yeah. and it's uh, it's like it's, it's lovely to find that that uh, voiceless voice just says you need to relax. <coughs> And you can tell whether it's the you know indication of whether it's the right thing or not because when you touch that, what you'll experience as one of the signs of that is you you'll, you'll experience you'll experience breathing. You don't immediately you know snap into a whole course on Anapanasati, but you'll experience something like a oh an out breath or. Ah, oh, an in-breath. It's like, it's the body's you know, it's, it's the sign of, of when you're actually, the moment when you touch into reality you find yourself sensing your breath there's a breath reference to that. Hmm. So it's, it's almost like the body's way it organises itself around the, the breathing. Why breathing in and out is called the Kaya Sankara. It's the it's almost the central the central energy of the whole of the body's energy system is that. So when the body wants a reference it comes back to oh uh-huh, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And if you so if you if you if it doesn't happen, then you should be very cautious about the kind of responses and, and actions that you undertake. Probably coming from um, somewhere other than uh, the real authentic place. But I think one of the tragedies and the things one feels quite outraged about in, uh, in the way that human beings Treated and conditioned is that a lot of life barely allows you to, to do that, you know, to, to find your breath. It's hurry up, move on quick, zip, 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 and then something's always buzzing and popping, and you know, you're on the go like that. And it's a, a sense of mm-hmm. lost souls. <laughs> uh, and as a result of that, you know. This isn't you know, like saying, you know, it's your fault. This is the kind of, when one is in that, that kind of system, which is actually asking you or making you come out of an embodied rhythm, then you, that becomes the that kind of lost place uh, of got to do, got to make, got to be, shouldn't be, should be, should be, becomes the kind of, almost the the home base. You get used to it and you just start trying to fulfill its aims and objectives or somehow respond to those aims and objectives which aren't even... They're not yours. <laughs> you, know, you didn't come here to do that. You weren't born to do that. You didn't arise in his incarnation to, to run these races. So it's always useful to in undertaking something does this allow me to breathe in, breathe out can I it, can I break step for a moment even you know, can I allow myself that if not we'd be very cautious and wary about the undertakings that we undertake and uh, if we, even if we spend time like that in a day then it's very important to find time when come back into embodiment yeah. feel the feeling in the feeling yeah, which is the tangled, the tangled state the busy state, the overwhelmed state there's this kind of mild, or even not mild, but strong panic state of there's more here than I can actually process so you know, that kind of state uh, and then okay, now how's that in the body? or perhaps um, tension in the stomach, you know, numbness, buzzy in the head, and then just finding some way to you know, exercise or come back into embodiment, breathing in, breathing out. Mm. In terms of our retreat together, and then there is, I imagine, for some, many of us, there's a sort of backlog of um, residues from you know, being out in the disembodied time to time, for periods of time, and taking on the kind of psychologies and attitudes and uh, karma of that. Mm. And so probably in re- retreat, is not going to be you know, here we go, just uh, succeeding wonderfully well at mindfulness of breathing. So let's use it as a, as a friend and an assistant rather than another demand <laughs> for perfection. Yeah. So we can feel some of the, the pressures, the, the, the um, shock, the rage, the, the lostness, And the most important journey is realizing that and then how is that in the body. Even if it's uncomfortable in the body, feeling it in the body, see if you can just relax or expand your awareness over, over that. By this I mean you may very well feel a particular embodied experience such as pressure or spinning or tightness or flaring. And so not to just kind of focus on that alone, but to focus on that and then have another aspect of embodiment such as the wider sense of your body or an out-breath. Something to say that there's a, a wider sense of embodiment that, that can carry that experience. So one, the wider sense is that which allows the other to discharge. Sometimes it, it's um, even just you have to get a lot of space, yeah. You know. So, embodied space, which may be just standing and feeling yourself in the entire entirety of this room. You know, there's a. It feels so tight that you can't hold it in your chest, you can't hold it in your body, but you can hold it just standing and feeling it, experiencing yourself in the whole space of the room, yeah. You know. Like, so your awareness. Both visual, perceptual awareness expands to the sensing the entirety of the space you're in. Yeah. Just as if you're standing in, in water and you can, you can feel this water around you. And it's letting the space, emptying the body into the space. So you empty the thoughts and the emotions into the body, you empty the body into the into the space. The energies can kind of unravel and and flex in the space of this room. This is what refuge is about: the space of a shrine. What shrines are about? They are reality meters. Yeah. You place one there, and you just stand with that and feel the sense of the steadiness, the simplicity, the beauty. The graciousness of that, you stand in the presence of that. Yeah, so that also gives you the sense of something that is allowing, gentle, and spacious. Mm. Sometimes, of course, the sense of loss is one of not of tightness but of, of vacuity, absence. And then it's uh, standing again is useful, just for the soles of your feet. Because breathing is something you can you can drift off from. But when you stand, you don't drift off from standing. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you do, you find yourself lurching or falling over. So standing. Reclining, if you can sometimes reclining is a useful practice. If you can recline in a way which allows your body to really uh, open and feeling, feeling down into the, into the place where you feel tension, maybe the chest or the belly, and just expanding your awareness over that. So you get a sense of... of uh, uh, so the expanded awareness is that which is, is not involved in the, in the particular contraction, or the, the, the dis-ease, or the, the, um, the suffering. Because there is this, you know, though naturally, you know, the Buddha talks about suffering, it's so always he talks about suffering and the cessation of. Yeah. So remember that the Buddha always says I teach suffering and the cessation. It doesn't say I just teach suffering mm-hmm. and the cessation. And the cessation is always through where the suffering is, it's not somewhere else station of suffering is always where the suffering is and it's it's a a path is to develop the kind of resources and skills to enable us to touch the suffering the stress without patterning it, reacting creating more so the response is one of Mm -hmm. compassion release loosening the stress and this is definitely uh, you know possible this is uh, real this is uh, something you can live with and uh, I mean to me this is always a kind of you know much more than just doing retreat or having a particular technique that one does from time to time. It's actually gearing up to deal with, <laughs> to operate in this uh, this uh, plane of existence, the sabhava dukkha. So during this uh, time, you know, uh, a, you know, set the expectation for a complete freedom from suffering. Maybe a little optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, liberation, enlightenment, awakening. You know, uh, sublime peace, rapture, bliss. So just be cautious of what you know. We can, what we, how we can, what we pack into that that bag called retreat or Buddhism or meditation. Uh, just say you know if you can understand a little bit of how suffering is self-generated you know, and just where it stops then the whole journey will have been worth it. It's, just, it's that That's the bit you don't forget you don't lose. Bliss you forget, lose. Just remember that was nice. But uh, this Stuff is actually deeply embodied. So when something gets the knack of that, it knows where the release is, it knows where the letting go is. <laughs>
1: This talk was given by a John Cucido at Insight Meditation Society on April 25, 2005. It is an offering of the Dharma.